0: Studying the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, there, there are a couple of specific directions that Matthew sort of continues to uh, guide us in. Really, it's God helping us to understand. There are there are a lot of questions like, uh, "Who is Jesus?" and "Where did he come from?" how does he do what he is doing and the the question becomes by many around him the disciples uh, the religious leaders the crowd they are asking questions like who who is this and by what authority does he say and do these things so that's that's one direction that you that you hear Matthew taking us in regularly the the other direction is what is the response to all of those things, to those answers, to those miracles, to the parables. So what is, what is the response? What's the response of the Pharisee? What's the response of the religious leaders? What is the response of the crowds? What is the response of the disciples? And really, what is the response from us? How do we respond to the Scripture as it's giving us direction about who He is and what He has come to do? So we have this this whole issue of uh, authority. Now, I I wrote a little paragraph for you. Uh, The one true living God, Father, Son, and Spirit is perfect. We we sang about that uh, today. He alone deserves our full submission, allegiance, and trust uh, as our good and perfect authority. So he, he wants us to submit to him our allegiance, our trust. Scripture is so clear on this point, and as a child of God, we take great comfort in this amazing truth that he is good and he is our authority. However, the idea of authority is not necessarily pleasant for everyone. Uh, we live in a society today that really struggles with dealing with authority, right? Uh, you, you feel it if you're a parent, uh, that that tension between your authority and getting your kids to do what you want them to do and what they need to do. we we feel it in, uh, in our, in our culture around, uh, police and people that are, um, making laws and guidelines and things that come, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of kids that really struggle with obeying the authority, maybe adults too. Don't raise your hand or anything on that one. But you know, we, we, we get that. That's the kind of society that we live in. So there's this struggle about, uh, Authority, and when we think about authority, we realize that uh, many people have been wounded and even abused by authority figures. I mean one of the reasons that we do children 's ministry the way that we do here is to protect our children. We have to protect every child every single time. Amen I mean, we work hard at all that uh, that 's one of the scary things about sending your kids to school is. What's, what's going to happen there? Who are they going to be with? Who's, who's taking care of them? What kind of friends are they going to make? All those kind of things. So we remember, we recognize that people end up with some kind, sometimes abuse by authority figures. Many people have been taken advantage of and mistreated of, uh, of, by a person they trusted, by a person they submitted to, whether it was a parent, a sibling, a friend, a spouse, a teacher, a boss, a government official, even a religious leader. So great suffering has come at that kind of mistreat- mistreatment. And we recognize that God's grace is sufficient to help and to heal uh, those hurts. God is our refuge when we suffer. In contrast to that, uh, to what we've become accustomed to on the earth, God uses his authority for our ultimate good as his children. Therefore, we we are called to trust him to submit fully to him without reservations. And when we do, we find the joy and the peace that comes from loving and submitting to such a great, glorious, heavenly father. You know, there's no comparison to him. You, you might try to compare him to your earthly daddy, but he's way higher greater, more glorious. Uh, We love our earthly fathers, but Jesus and our heavenly father are not like our earthly fathers. They are human beings. They are sinful men, just like me and all the rest of the men in this room. We recognize that we have a glorious father that is all about our ultimate good. And not only does he desire that, he is able and willing to accomplish it. So Matthew has, has made it clear up to this point that Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, is the Messiah. He's the King. We saw Him come in uh, last week on the triumphal entry. He's the Christ. He's the promised Savior that the Bible points to and that our hearts long for. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and His kingdom is eternal. Not just temporary, eternal. We are all given the opportunity then to respond to this King, to this Savior. Will we reject Him or will we give all. Someone said long ago, he is Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all. He is Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. So this chapter, really kind of flowing back into 21, uh, to, to kind of pick up, this whole section really goes from 21, um, 21 23. 23 uh, All the way through uh, chapter 22. And what's happening is that Jesus is responding to questions about his authority and their rejection of him as the Savior and Lord. So we have authority and rejection kind of as the, the backdrop of what we're talking about here. Matthew 21 has already presented several ways that Jesus' authority is being laid out. Christ came into, into Jerusalem. He received praise and worship from the people as on, on that Palm Sunday. I told you we started last week and now we're in the eight days. Uh, we're probably in Monday, Tuesday today, thinking about the teaching that is going on this last week of the life of Jesus Um, all these actions have created this question and the scripture says in Matthew 21 23 and in verse 27 Jesus entered the temple courts and while he was teaching the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him by what authority are you doing these things they asked and who gave you this authority they, they continue to ask questions. Jesus asks them questions of them. But ultimately, they answer, we don't know. So at the root, these religious leaders are asking about Jesus. Uh, where does this authority, where does this prerogative come from? Is he from God or is he from man? You know, people still wonder about that. Is Christianity just some kind of man-made religion or uh, if, as they question him, or is it from God? And so we hear these questions that come from their unbelief, questions from fear and uncertainty uh, that they have. Now, how does Jesus respond uh, to this this whole thing? He responds to this whole concept of rejection on the basis of three different parables. Now, here's, here's kind of the point of the message. The point of the message is that Satan who is an enemy of your soul, the culture that we live in tries to give you reasons, excuses for being able to reject Christ. You with me on that? What's going to happen here is I'm going to show you some ways that Jesus says these are some of the reasons that people have rejected him. But I know from being a pastor for a long time and just living life, that there's always opportunities to try to get you to reject. You look like you don't believe me. (laughs) All right. Um, What I'm saying is that he's giving them, showing some of their reasons, but what I want you to know is you got reasons. Now, it could be um, it's happened to people that have lost loved ones somebody dies. We prayed for them. Uh, they didn't get better. Um, it, it's heavy on your heart. And sometimes people leave God. They walk away because they, they, they found a reason to reject. A lot of times it happens to people in, that go to church. You with it? don't, it's not you. Well, let's just talk about that other church over there. But, the, you know, sometimes things don't go so good at church, Right? Just nod. Let me know. You're at least with me here. Uh, Things don't always go great. We get our feelings hurt. We have problems. And the devil uses those things to cause you... Where at one time you were just like hot for God. I mean, you were just... Your heart sold out to Him. And then you find yourself like completely wandering. And you feel lost. You know what I'm talking about? So I don't want... I'm going to walk through these passages. You're not going to read all these, this whole section. But what I want you to know is that there is an attempt on your soul to get you to reject Christ. And you can say, oh, that one, you know, I mean, I've met pastors that like preach so just dramatic, great messages. And then they up walking away from God. I I can't figure it out. I I have a really good friend. And I just can't figure out where his head and his heart is. But what happened was he found a reason to reject. And he chose it. That could be you. You ever met people that were like they taught you. Or they, they had some position in the church. They were on the board or they were leading. I mean, they were It was like fantastic. And you can't even find them now? They don't go to church. They don't want to talk about church. They don't want to talk about God. They don't want to talk about any of that stuff. It's kind of heavy in here right now, isn't it? Because it's a reminder that that what what was happening in the scripture can happen to you. And you got to think about what is it that God wants to help you with? so that you don't end up in this place of rejection. Okay, so we got these three parables. Uh, Jesus responds to this whole question about authority and rejection. Uh, the first parable is the parable of the rejection of one of the sons. And In this parable, it's in 28 through 32 of chapter 21, uh, a father... gave the same commands to these two different sons. Sounds like you, right? Trying to get your kids to do what you want them to do and you tell them what to do. It says they get two two sons and their reactions are completely different. We see the rejection of the one son uh, and in the case of the second son, the one who is uh, pictured kind of like the religious leaders that are there. So one does what he's asked to do and the other one says he's going to do it but then doesn't do it. Uh, So we recognize what's happening here. Um, You know, the... The the answer to what's going on right here is that we he's talking about people that uh, reject Christ based on dead faith without works. What he's saying is that you can talk a good story, but if you don't live it out with action and by works of faith in your life, then it's no good at all. You know, you can say, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll do it," but if you don't do it, it's worthless. Just, just talk. You know, we we know that, right? We know talk, talk. Um, no, what he's talking about is recognizing that it's it's so easy to have this story of having a confession without repentance and submission. Do you know? In this church, we believe that God provides real change. You know, we we are not. And I've been in places like this, but we are not one of those places that says, okay, I want you to feel a little better. Let's do a little pat on the back and uh, you know, feel, you know, sing a few songs and you'll feel a little better and then go out there. You know? Or let's, let's pray a prayer and God's going to cover his eyes and I know I'm just as dis- despicable as I used to be, but God thinks I'm better because he's not really looking right now. There's no change in that, right? We believe in real change. We believe the spirit of God. That's 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 what we talk about holiness around here. What we mean by that is practical, functional holiness. That God brings about change and transformation. God turns us around. I'm at 180 from where we used to be and he makes me new. I am no longer the same person I was because of Christ. He has changed my heart and allowed me not just to make some kind of confession with my mouth. He's changed my heart. How about you? See, he's talking about those that reject on the basis of that they really haven't made a sincere decision and confession for Christ. That will allow you to reject him because it's not real. It hasn't been about change. You ever met somebody that's really been changed? If you haven't, you've met him today. It's me. <laughs> I can't wait to tell you the transformation that he's brought to my life. You know, it's not just talk. Uh, I, I'm completely a new person, and I've been living my life like this for a long time, but I get up every morning uh, just praying and excited because I know the transformation that he's brought. If you have real change in you, it doesn't matter what other people say to you. It doesn't matter what they try to convince you, to, that you know in your heart, I used to be that, and now I'm this. Hallelujah. That's what he's talking about. So you don't reject somebody when you got that when you got that kind of transformation that's happening. So that's what's happening in, the, in this first parable. Second parable, this, this focus is on, oh, by the way, I wrote there, if you want a little more on that, read James 2, 14 to 26. Incredible. Just take some time, verse by verse, and walk through that, because he's teaching exactly the same thing. Now, parable number two is the parable of the tenants. Uh, Matthew 21, 33 to 36. Uh, now, in, in this setting here, um, you have these religious leaders, and, and Jesus is talking to them about uh, this same idea. Why, why are they rejecting what is happening here? So, the parable of the tenants. Jesus t- tells this parable uh, to highlight the hearts of these people that are supposed to be religious. In this parable, there's a master who symbolizes God the Father, came looking for the fruit that should be happening in his vineyards. So he sends the servants into the vineyards, uh, he sent his slaves there to get the fruit, and they are beaten and killed and stoned. Then he sends his son, who is also killed, supposing that the, the people that are, that are there at the vineyard will get the inheritance. Jesus follows up the story, he says things like this: therefore, when the owner of the vine vineyard, excuse me, comes, what will he do to those farmers? The religious leaders answered emphatically, He will completely destroy those terrible men and lease his vineyard to other farmers who will produce uh, this harvest. Once again, Jesus is talking about these leaders he 's getting them to admit their own guilt because they are not obeying and following the guidance of the master in this case, well, but they decided to do their own thing. Um, Jesus talks about that. He, he's, he's encouraging us not to reject him like they did on the basis of selfish anger and greed. They had their own agenda. They, they were going to do their own thing. They reject God, in this case rejecting the Father, on the basis of their desire to have the things that they want to have, on the basis of selfish anger and greed. So you can see he's just talking to them about the things that caused them to reject. Third parable is the parable of the wedding banquet, Matthew 22, uh, 1 through uh, 14. Now, this, in, this incredible parable uh, that has a lot of hard things in it uh, for us to hear uh, and to understand. I want to read you this passage, parable of the wedding banquet, is chapter 22, verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off to one One to his field, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged, and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners, invite to the banquet, anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing a wedding clothes. He said, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then he told the king attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside in the darkness, for there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So he's talking about rejection. He's dealing with this rejection um, uh, of the people. This is a hard parable, isn't it? It's really difficult. Uh, he's, he's saying here this man has uh, this banquet and those that he's prepared it for uh, won't come in. Uh, the king sent others who gathered both the evil and the good in the wedding hall. And so you see this uh, this story is a story of rejection based on ingratitude and rebellion stubbornness and complacent complacency they would not respond it is so easy to be blessed by god and then forget how blessed you are man i'm blessed i mean stuff happens to us and can cause us to feel like we're uh you know we're we're not happy with our situation we're not, you know but i'm you know, I go to people all the time. I got invited over somewhere the other day, yesterday, and this person is all upset. You know you know what I spent time doing? Reminding them of stuff that happened before because they couldn't see what happened before because all that was happening now. See, the, the devil uses that, that sense of ingratitude, maybe even stubbornness. That's not y'all, I'm sure. But some of you might have that little gift, you know, stubbornness. Like you... Uh, Your heart is not tender. You're, you're, you're cold and you're frustrated uh, over what's happening. That this parable is reminding us of that, that he, he longs for us to be receptive to receive the blessings that he's provided for us. Probably the hardest part of this parable is this guy that's invited in and then he's not dressed right. So what in the world do you do with that? Um, you know, God invites us all in. Amen. Every one of us, everyone has a seat at the table. He invites us in to receive his blessings. But you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't want you just to stay like you were. You know, he asked me to walk in the light that he's given to me. He doesn't ask you to walk in the same light I'm in. He asks you to walk in the light that you've received. I know some of you have been around the church a long time. You know, some, we, we, we know how, how it works. We know what God expects of us, but sometimes we just get a little attitude about it and we walk away and we don't want to go to church anymore. And, and we end up in that, it doesn't feel like rejection, but it's rejection, right? It's the struggling with the stuff that's happened to me. Why did this happen to me? Why am I struggling? And so, you know, he's basically saying to us through this man that he cast out, how you live your life makes a difference. Once you get in, you can't just live any way you want to. It's a it's a great holiness parable, actually. A reminder that it matters how I think and how I live. That's why that's the kind of church that we are. We're always bugging it. You know, we always talking to you about studying the Bible and man I'm Wednesday night I'm down here and I'm preaching and talking. You know what we're talking about? Patience. Man, I just got out of control talking about patience the other day. I was just thinking I went home thinking. He's talking to me as much as anybody. Why? Wow, he doesn't want me to stay the same. He's shaping my life. He doesn't want me to live sinfully and have attitudes and choices and the way I behave. He's continuing to try to shape my character and who, he am, who I am. It's not just enough to get in. You've got to know how to live once you get in, what he's seeking to accomplish in us. He doesn't want you to choose rejection. He wants you to give all to him. That's what that's what begins to happen here. You see this section. He he gives us like um, other examples of the, of what he, of the rejection, but he's really trying to get to the alternative response. Uh, just before we get there, notice he talks about uh, taxes again. He's uh, they're trying to trap him. They're talking about marriage uh, in the time of the resurrection. It's crazy. The people that ask him the question didn't even believe in the resurrection. So they're just trying to trap him, trying to create a sense of approval on the basis of their uh, rejection of him. Uh, the rejection of Christ here reveals their underlying motives. So you, you see what's happening so far is he's talking about all these people that have found a reason to reject. So my question for you earlier is, what makes you want to reject? What pulls you away? you got to decide that you have such a... Uh, A strong relationship with God through Christ that holds you through the difficult places. Because I guarantee you, every person in here, Satan's going to find a way to ask you to reject. To pull away. To pull back. Are Are you ready for that? That's what this whole section is about here. So instead of dealing with these underlying motives, we get to chapter 22, verse Thirty-four through forty. This is such incredible scripture. I think we have it uh, on the screen. We're going to uh, look at it together. Um, this is so good. You just got to stand up and read this. All right, let's stand up. Get you awake if you're kind of dozing a little bit. Also there. So, Matthew twenty-three thirty-four through forty. Now, notice what what we're reading here is Jesus' alternative response that he desires for every one of us. We see all this rejection stuff, and it's like, what in the world is all this scripture trying to say? But ultimately, he says, this is what I want for you. Despite what happens in your life, here is the message. We're going to read it out loud together, beginning with verse 34. Ready? Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. I apologize, we got to stop. That's just too good, right? I mean, we, that's got that is strong. It's all italicized and bold and big letters. I mean, it's just proclaiming. He says, "This is the greatest commandment, right?" And you got another one's coming up. That's a little bold. So we're going to start right there. On Jesus replied, "Get your heart ready. Uh, say it out loud. Ready?" Jesus replied, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind." This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. God bless his word to us. You can be seated. All right, you see what's happening here? They're still in this trap. Mode test mode uh, they 've sent somebody in uh, this lawyer uh, to ask him a question uh, and he's uh, the Bible says that they are testing they are tempting uh, doesn't have a positive connotation uh, he's uh, recognized that they're trying to to test him to question him so their question is what is the greatest commandment in the law now Jesus quotes, he didn't make something up. He didn't bring like something else out of heaven. He quotes right out of the Old Testament. He quotes uh, from Deuteronomy 6 and from Leviticus 19. There it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, Leviticus 19. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. So here Jesus is... Um, giving us quite an image, an image of these uh, teachings from the law and the prophets, from Deuteronomy, from Leviticus. And he's saying, on these hang all the truth, all the prophets uh, that they taught us It's hanging on this. It's like they had this idea. The Jewish leaders at the time had this idea that there were a bunch of pegs on the wall and that all these different commandments. So they had 613 of them in what they called the Talmud. And so what they had done is they had taken the Old Testament, and then they had kind of put it in their own terms and created all these commandments. And if you could picture it, they viewed it like a pegboard that had 613 commandments. They were all equal, and each one hangs on all these different pegs. So that's the idea of it of what it hangs on. And Jesus says, let's get rid of all the pegs except two and let's hang everything on those two. Love God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. What he's doing is helping you to create a foundation of your faith so that no matter what happens to you, you have a foundation to stand on so you don't reject God, so you don't walk away from God. That you have a foundation for that. Um, these Jewish leaders, they view the Bible as hundreds of pegs, and now he has brought in what is called the double love command. These two pegs that are that are nailed there that hold up the whole gospel. He says... To love God with all your heart soul and mind um, he, he's he's giving this idea of of all you know the all is so important now the heart soul mind uh, another translation in, in Mark says strength as well um, so you got these four now he's not doing he's not doing psychology he's not trying to get you to think about your heart and and then your mind and then uh, your soul and all the no no he's just saying every ounce of who you are, everything that's about you, all. What is your response? All. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Uh, three different times in verse 37 there, he uses the word all. You shall love God with with all, he said. He's talking about uh, you know, this, this this whole repetition of the all is like our total response of love uh, to God. God's wholehearted love um, for us must not be answered with like half-hearted, uh, or in some sort of half-hearted manner. You know, that's, that's what he's calling us to. Don't respond half-hearted to God. Respond with your whole heart. Give everything, all that you are, all that you have, um, the, the total allegiance. Let's see what this The call is for total allegiance, loving God with every ounce of who I am. Not half-hearted, but total devotion to him. All. Loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, with everything that you are, that is uh, total devotion to God. Now, he also says to love others. Now, while Jesus giving us this answer here, love for God, love for people. You know, they are really uh, like indivisible. They go together. Um, there's a distinction between the love commands. Obviously, loving God is greater than loving our neighbor, yet you can't have one without the other. They go together. You can't divide them up. Sometimes we come to church, we do all that we do, and we go out there. And we don't like people very much. You know, some people think that you you know you can sort of be, oh, I you know like mystical, you know, you know, sing our songs and pray our prayers, and then go out and just do with people any way And It don't work. He said you can't love God if you don't love your neighbor. Also, the other way. Our world especially loves to say, oh, let's be nice to people. Let's help people. But we can do that without God. I mean, I love uh, love St. Jude. You know, we help them and do all that. And there's all kind of big things like that that we can be a part of. You know, but I meet so many people that believe that that's good, but I don't need God to do that. I think that's a farce. You cannot, you cannot truly love other people. Now, don't go out and say, I was against St. Jude. I'm in mean, good grief. Don't say that. I'm not saying that. I worked hard. I helped them, supported them. I believe. But what I'm saying to you is, Jesus says they go together. So our, our, our care about what happens in the world around us is really worthless without that relationship with God. He wants those to be uh, brought together. Our love for God and our love for neighbor. He, he unites them. They're not indivisible. I mean, excuse me, they are indivisible. You can't separate them out. He's encouraging us and reminding us of this transformation that he wants to happen to us that then feeds into our love for others around us. So this, this whole message. Uh, He's encouraging us and reminding us to have a focus on what he is teaching us to do, who he wants us to be, not people that end up rejecting him, but people that put their total trust in the Lord, our Savior, recognizing what he has chosen to do in and through us. So God is first. God is first in our, in our lives, in our, he, he encourages us. He wants us to, to put Him first. That's what Jesus is teaching us, that He can't be second. He can't be third. He can't be fourth. He can't be fiftieth. The sum of it all is that the Lord is our God and we put our complete trust in Him. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. He's before all things. Culture, not Our our culture around us says that we we can just, you know, they're not even God-conscious, much less God-centered. We're talking about being God-centered, so God-focused on him. He's above all. He is all. I just want to tell you today, my goal here is not to help you just learn a little bit more about the Bible. That's not why we're trying to preach the, the gospel of Matthew. What I want you to have is an experience with Christ. An experience with him in your heart where you dedicate your whole life to him. I said it earlier. I don't know if you met anybody like me before, but I want to tell you I love God. I love him not perfectly, but passionately with all that I have, totally, heart, soul, mind, and strength. I am a sinner. A sinner that was depraved in every part of me. And yet God's powerful grace, by his grace, I am not what I once was. I have been saved by Jesus Christ. I have been delivered and transformed by Jesus Christ. Something snapped inside of me that broke that old self. and You know, I had a funeral. I had a funeral for Lloyd Lloyd Brock and his plans, and his ways, and his agenda, and his self-centered life, And, and I decided that I'm going to love God. I love Jesus with every part of who I am. I am totally his, and not by what I did, but what he did and continues to do in me. I'm part of the fellowship of the all. I'm in the all. All my heart. All my soul, all my mind, all my strength. I want to tell, I'm going to keep talking about what I think about this, but is that you? Are you in the fellowship of the all? I have the Holy Spirit living in me. I have stepped over the, over the line. The decision has been made, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm not going back, I'm not letting up, I'm not slowing down, I'm not backing down, I'm not being still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, my future is secure, I'm finished, I'm done with low living and sight walking, cheap giving, dwarf goals and half-hearted faith. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I have given up my right to be first, on top, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to lean in to His presence. I'm going to stand against the uh, the enemy. I'm going to walk in patience. I'm going to be uplifted by prayer, and I'm going to labor with power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My guide is reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifices. I hesitate in the presence of the enemy. I will not ponder to popularity or meander or raise around in the maze of mediocrity. I'm telling you, I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up the because of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm in the all! I was with a bunch of pastors not too long ago. They hate to ask this question: How's it going in Pekin? Because they know, right? Am I telling the truth? Because they know. I, I'm. Oh, it's all right. You know how it goes. You know we're just kind of making it. No, man. I'm saying, oh, you shouldn't believe it. Sunday. Oh, it's just incredible. What happened here? You know, we were, uh, uh, you know what? We went to Dragon Land. That is, you know, I, just got, I got story after story after story. And they just, uh, And the other day, somebody said, you would. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think what, what it is, they just think, how could... How can I be so passionate all the time, every every week, every time, all over and over and over again? And uh, well, we just can't be like that. Hey, you want me to be any different? How about how about you? No way, no, no way man. But it's because uh, I made a decision. I'm not going back. I'm not settling. I want you to have that kind of commitment to Christ. That no matter what happens, I'm going forward. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be his disciple. i got a little more testimony here. Let's see. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up, and caused for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to go until he comes, give until I drop, preach until I know, and work until he stops me. And when he comes for me, He will have no problem recognizing me because I'll be in his colors. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love my neighbor as myself. I love God to my dying breath with all I am, every ounce of who I am, all, all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. I am yours. How are you going to respond? You know, it's going kind of to happen today. You're not in rejection mode today. I know that. You wouldn't have got up and got dressed and looked good and come in here and all that. But you're going to be. You're going to be in a dark place. You're going to be in a hard spot. People are not going to be treating you properly. Things are going to happen that are difficult for you. Now, I'm not talking about church right now. You know I'm not, right? Things happen to us. I get that. But you cannot go back on Christ. He has done so much for you. He's invited you to the wedding feast. He's saying, come on in. But what he wants you to do is to be sold out to him, no matter what happens. This little little song says, um, I give all my life to you. I give all my life to you. No matter the cost, or what others do, I give all my life to you. I told you. I'm not you know I'm not it don't matter to me how you feel about how I preach or you know if you get your notes off I hope you do. I mean i I do care about that because this is a discipling process that we're in. But the number one thing is that you get in the all all your heart all your soul, all your mind, given to Christ. We'll sing that again. It's just simple. You don't even have to know it. If you don't know the tune, just say the words. I give all my life to you. And if that's your, um, that's your commitment, you know, I could give an altar call and we'd have we'd have to all come, right? So um, why, why don't you commit yourself to him today? Are you willing to do that? Maybe you already have. And if you have... Let's praise him together. If you haven't made that kind of commitment, if you are just up and down and every little thing kind of just kicks you to the curb, dedicate yourself, heart, soul, and mind to Jesus Christ. I mean, make that the foundation. Never go back and live out that kind of faith in him. That's what he was up to. That's what he was asking all these guys there. And that's what he's asking us. Love him with all your heart. So we're going to sing this, if you believe that, if you make that kind of commitment, you can just stand up right where you are. I give all my life to you, I give all my life to you, no matter the cost or what others do, I give all my life to you. How about love? We'll put love in. I give all my love to you, I give all my love to you, no matter the cost or what others do, I give all my love to you. I kind of like it, not a bunch of music, nobody's playing, nobody's trying to... Get you emotional. I, I just want you to live for Him. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if August thirteenth? And maybe you got a date way back there somewhere. That'd, that'd be great. You're never coming. You're never going back. Date. But maybe it's today. Maybe you maybe kind of been wavering up and down. I don't. I don't know. I'm not judging you. I'm just asking you to respond to Him. Everything you are. Given to Christ. Wouldn't it be nice in just the quiet little place in Pekin that today we decided I'm committed. I'm in the all, all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. Every ounce of who I am to him. Let's pray. Wow. Jesus, thanks for loving me. <laughs> thanks for knowing all of my struggles and past and showing such mercy to me. Thanks for loving every man here, every woman, every teenager, every child. Thanks that you just remind us this morning that You've invited every one of us in and all you ask for is everything. (laughs) You don't want us half-hearted. You don't want us just, just kind of going through the motions. You've asked us to give everything. So today, many, many of us in this room, maybe just about everybody, maybe every one of us, says, I will love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. For those that have lived in that kind of commitment, maybe for years, oh, bless them, Lord. But help them to know that the devil's still looking for a reason to reject. We stand against him in Jesus' name. Maybe there are some here today that are making a decision to trust you that have lived in that rejection, have walked away from you. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is able to heal the hurts of our brokenness, to help us through our struggles and our difficulties. You walk with us. You help us. You use those situations and circumstances to draw us closer to you. The enemy says, run away. You say, come, my child. Help us today to love you with the depth of who we are. We praise you today for such a simple, calm word to each of us. We promise today, Lord, to love you every day as long as we're breathing, that we would love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. We thank you in Jesus' name everybody said together amen